Chats from the Blog Cabin. Your favorite podcast is here. Welcome back to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin. You know, the show where I virtually invite people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life. And today we're being joined by Andrew. Andrew actually wrote two books called Remy's Dilemma and Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. And so, Andrew, before we get into um, your books, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, so I'm a writer based out of Mississauga, Ontario, Canada. Uh, I've been writing silly fiction uh, most of my life, I guess, since I was young. Um, as far as full-length full novels, my first one was released in 2015, uh, and the second one in 2019. I um, Actually, my full-time gig is also as a writer and editor. Uh, I write and edit for uh, a variety of business-to-business magazines and, and work with a variety of associations and, and companies through my own content creation company to, uh, to create content for people. So when I'm not writing for a living, I write for fun. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like for business, you definitely, you. this is kind of funny. It's so humorous, that some of your books, but it also has some thoughts, some deep thoughts. Like, for instance, <laughs> in Remy's Dilemma, I actually wrote this question down, and it stopped me in my tracks. And I told you, full disclosure, I did not finish the book. But it says, if you knew the end of the world was coming, how would you spend the time you have left? And that was like, stop me in my tracks. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny because it's these are you know for some for most people that would be a very serious question uh, to ponder. But for Remy, Remy is a very silly character. He's very oblivious to the world. He's kind of in his own little bubble, and um, he go about he goes about things very differently than than you or I would. He's a very um, how would I say he's he's a great creator of chaos. Uh, he. <laughs> he doesn't mean to cause trouble. He's not, he's not a bad guy, but he has this very chaotic tunnel vision. Uh, so when he's going from point A to point B to point C to get something done, he doesn't look at the collateral damage he creates when he goes to do these things. And as I said, he goes about things very differently. So, um, so yeah, he, he creates a lot of ridiculous chaos around him. So before we get into talking about Remy, let's talk about your journey as an author because does that was that something you've always wanted to do uh i guess yeah in, in a lot of ways um when i was when i was very young i remember the first books i, I got into uh were the old um choose your own adventure uh kind of fighting fantasy dice rolling games where you got to pick your adventures and battle monsters and that sort of thing those are the first books that really caught my attention i think as a kid outside of comic books when you're really little um, that I really liked. And I always actually always wanted to write one of those. Um, and I used to write a lot of silly fiction in class uh, during, we had like creative writing classes when I was young. Um, and I used to throw all the people in my class into these books as characters just for fun. Uh, then I guess high school years that, that kind of dropped off that I just stopped writing. And then I picked up writing again uh, around my mid twenties. I guess I was about 25. I had moved uh, a few thousand kilometers away I was living in a small town in rural Nova Scotia, going to school, and um, I was used to I was used to working during the day and, and doing school, kind of doing both. Uh, and in this town, there was there wasn't a lot of work, and so I had a lot of downtime, which I wasn't used to. 
Uh, and all of a sudden I had all this time on my hands and uh, I had this crazy dream uh, that I woke up from. And I th all of a sudden, I don't know what it was, but all of a sudden I was like, wow, I got to write about that. And I jumped on my computer and I wrote for like 12 straight hours. Mm -hmm. um, and that silly dream that I wrote about uh, eight months later turned into a novella called Wasted Days that I released in like 2004. It was very rough. It hadn't been edited. I was just excited to send it to people. I didn't know a lot about writing back then. Mm -hmm. um, and then it sat and collected dust for a really long time. Uh, until uh, I was working as a community newspaper reporter in the Ottawa area in, back in Ontario. Um, and I was doing a move and I found it in a box and I opened it up. I flipped through it and I thought, ooh, this is, this is pretty rough, but I liked a lot of the ideas. Um, and then I spent three years uh, gutting it and rewriting it. And it eventually became uh, Remy's Dilemma in 2015. Wow. Repurpose. I love that. Now, how different is it in your day job? You said you write for businesses and mm -hmm. things like that to actually be able to free flow for writing books like Remy's Dilemma. They're very different. Um, I do a lot of technical writing. Uh, I've gone all over the country across Canada, as well as many places in the United States uh, to go and visit operations for a variety of different industries. Uh, I write about how equipment performs, how it, you know, how people optimize various manufacturing plants. Um, I, I write about the, the logging industry. I've written about uh, sawmilling, quarrying, road building, uh, packaging, uh, all a wide variety. I've probably written for maybe 30 different industries over the years. Um, so, and it's a very technical, most of it. Uh, so it is very different in that sense uh, than writing something really silly like, like Remy. Uh, and so, I mean, you do kind of, I do kind of need a different mindset, I guess, uh, when I sit down and write that. Um, I usually need a, at least a couple hours at a minimum to sit down and, and just focus on nothing but, but writing fiction. I, uh, I take advantage a lot of the time uh, during my travels, actually, was when I did a lot of my fiction writing. Um, so I kind of promised myself, because I have small kids at home, um, I don't have time to write at home uh, for the most part. Uh, COVID has been kind of an exception, but generally speaking, I, I wouldn't have any time to do that. Um, so I would do all my writing on the road. I'd write on planes and trains, airports, hotels. Uh, I tried to promise myself never to turn on the TV at the hotel because I knew I would just eat my time. And um, the entire second book, uh, Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery, was actually entirely written on the road. Uh, and I actually, for fun, as I, as I wrote it over about a three and a half year period, I actually jotted down all the places I worked on the book and I actually put it in the back of the book for, yeah. which is kind of fun because these books are very silly road trippy type books. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought it was extra fun. Why don't I, I thought, Oh, why don't I add that in? It's kind of fun for people because I like to add little nuggets of truth within like the silliness that is Remy. So mm -hmm. when he goes to different places, Remy never goes anywhere that I haven't been myself. Uh, because I like to be able to add something from those places, even though it's a, the books take place in a silly futuristic version of, of Canada. Mm -hmm. um, I like the idea of putting a couple like nuggets of truth inside there. So when people who have been there or live there, when Remy goes in and causes all this trouble, all of a sudden they'll catch some little thing and go, oh, wait a second. Uh, and they'll, you know, just for fun. So let's talk about Remy. Where did the idea for Remy come up? You already talked about the the book that you kind of published, what is in 20, 2004 is what you said? Yeah. 
And that kind of evolved into Remy's Dilemma, but where did the idea of the character of Remy come about? You know, I just thought he was a, a silly, fun character to write. Uh, and I, I <laughs> the funny thing is I, I purposely um, weaved his description in through the book. Uh, his physical description comes up as um, the main antagonist, the detective who's, who's chasing after him. Um, is investigating his crimes is investigate. He, when he talks to people through interview, uh, he starts to piece together Remy's description. And I thought that was kind of a, a fun, different way to put his, to put him together. And, um, what was funny was when I talked to people, I knew, uh, whether it was like a, a colleague at work or a friend member, a family member, and they'd read the book. I, th I said to them at first, before you, before you realize what Remy looks like, what did you, what did you picture? And every single person said, Oh, I just thought it was you. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that means for me, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, so that's, that's what people seem to picture when they knew me. So I, I don't know, maybe there's something they know that I don't. So <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny that people picture you when they read the book. <laughs> so one of your questions that you put out for your on your press sheet was why it's important to have humor in fiction and i think that's very important because a lot of people day-to-day -day life get a lot of people down yeah yeah no i i totally agree so i i don't write anything that doesn't have silliness in it some sort of way to make you laugh um i love it i love making people laugh i like writing silly things um and not just because i write serious stuff all day it's just i find um, humor is so important. It's such an important aspect of everyone's life. Like you said, you know, times can be very hard. Uh, sometimes the world can feel very heavy. And, you know, I turn to things like silly books. I love Christopher Moore. I'm a huge Christopher Moore fan. I think he's one of the funniest writers out there, uh, as well as a wide variety of other authors that I read. Um, and I just, I turn to them or I turn to silly shows or something to make you laugh that just makes your day lighter. And uh, to me, there's nothing more important than that. And I, I, I can tell you one of the best compliments I've ever received from my books uh, was from somebody who showed up at one of my book signings uh, who had bought the book, the first book, uh, like six months previous and came to me and said, I just wanted to tell you, you know, I have I have this shelf of books that I keep in my room for when I've had a really hard day. Um, and they're just they're just there to, to make me feel better and make my day lighter. And, and your book is one of them. And they thanked me for, for making their day lighter. And I thought that was like so awesome because that's, that's all I want. That's all I want to do when I put these books out is, is just make people feel better. Um, in the, and when the pandemic started, um, obviously there's a lot of extra stress placed on everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought it'd be kind of nice. I unlocked the first book as a free digital download that people can get off my author site um, snookbooks.com. You can just go into the blog section called Random Scribbles, and you can just download it to read it. Uh, and I let I let people know I advertised it. I said, "Hey, if you're just having a heavy day and you need something light to read, take it. Just it's yours, and hopefully you'll like it." So I love that. And speaking of silly, we need to go to commercial break right now. But when we come back, you're going to read part of uh, <laughs> is it Remy's dilemma, dilemma or Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery? Which one are you going to read? Uh, Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. Okay, so we'll be right back after this commercial. Chats from the blog cabin. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. 
chats from the blog cabin. Enjoying this episode? Leave a review now. Dear Mr. President and finally, Madam Vice President. Dear President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, congratulations on winning the election. One concern I have is thinking about all those families who got separated. One worry I have is people are dying from COVID-19. People think the vaccine is here, so everything is fine. One thing you should know about kids my age is that we have questions and want answers. If I was in charge like you, I would keep in mind kids can do a lot more than you could ever imagine. If I was in charge like you, I would visit local schools to see what kids need. Poor people should have nicer houses and more food. We should make clean energy more accessible to the average citizen. I would work hard to keep people safe. I would stop the nonsense. What will you do with the power you have now? And we're back chatting with Andrew, who wrote Remy's Dilemma and Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. And you're going to read part of Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. I mean, Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. <laughs> that just doesn't roll off the tongue, does it? <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'll just set the scene really quick. Um, so in this scene, uh, Remy has completed, causing complete chaos across Western Canada. He's trying to come home. Um, and he's decided to stop. Uh, for a snack and he's gone to a very silly restaurant I created that was a merger in my book a silly merger between two large restaurant corporations and it is called Tim Hooters and so he's going in to grab a snack for himself and a 500 pound baby grizzly moose sitting in the backseat of his truck okay (laughs) (laughs) so and he's going in and he's he's going to uh, check out a contest going on there. And as I mentioned, Remy has a tendency to do things a little differently than most people. So, Go for the, it. Okay. The Tim Hooters restaurant was having some sort of promotional contest where patrons could win prizes by ordering coffee and tea. The prizes varied from free menu items to cash prizes and complimentary jiggling from well-endowed cashiers. As I approached the counter, I was excited at the thought of being greeted by the beautiful, well-endowed brunette at the register. Unfortunately, a young man in black slacks and a white dress shirt with a pocket protector that said assistant manager motioned for her to move away from the register before I could order. Why don't you go on break, Shirley? I'll take the next round of customers, the young man said, giving me a pleasant enough glance. Thanks, Harold, Shirley replied as she waddled to the back of the restaurant out of sight. A fine sight of womanly pulchritude, I must say. Hello, sir. Welcome to Tim Hooters. Would you like to order something or would you prefer to ogle our staff? I can't do both. Yes, sir. I suppose you could. Now, what would you like? Give me five hash browns, an egg bagel with owl bacon, and a large coffee, please. After paying for my food, Harold handed me a large paper cup of coffee, which looked different than the company's regular cups. What's up with the design change, Harold? This is part of our new promotion this month. Rip up the rump to win. Come again? One in every five cups has a prize redemption at the bottom of the cup. You have to rip up the bottom of the cup to see if you've won. If you say so, I said as I ripped out the bottom of the cup, causing hot coffee to fly everywhere. The majority of the coffee splashed onto Harold's shirt, dousing his pocket protector in his slacks. Oh God, it burns, Harold yelled as he tore off his coffee-soaked trousers, tossed them on the counter next to me, and ran to a nearby sink to splash cold water on himself. What's wrong with you? Where are your pants? 
Yeah, I didn't make up this weird promotion, I replied while transferring a few drips of hot coffee from my hands to my purple Invincible Man boxer briefs. And for the, for the, for the record, I'm not the only one in their skivvies around here. I checked the bottom of the cup and was delighted to see that Lady Luck was on my side. The cup revealed a free coffee, which I redeemed when Harold returned to the counter. He shot me angry stares as he took the prize redemption and returned with a new cup of coffee for me. Here, now take your food and go, he said, as he handed my new coffee and the rest of my food order. Excuse me, Harold. That is no way to treat a customer. And why have you removed your pants, asked another man from behind the counter. He was also dressed in slacks and a white dress shirt with a red tie. His pocket protector was labeled manager. He must be the head honcho, I cleverly deduced. But sir, this man just... No excuses, Harold, the manager interrupted. Now apologize to this fine patron and for God's sakes, put some pants on. I'm sorry, sir, Harold said as he shot me another angry stare. Please accept my apologies and good luck with our promotion. Thanks, I said as I tested my luck for the second time and tore the bottom of the cup out once again. This time the hot coffee showered both Harold and his employer. Oh God, it burns so much, Harold yelled as he ran to the back of the restaurant. I hate this contest, his manager yelled as he hastily followed Harold to the back. Cheryl returned from the, her break just in time to witness the two managers running to the back of the restaurant, yelling and cursing. Yikes, what happened to those two, she asked as she looked at the coffee-soaked counter. Bad luck, they got burned by some coffee, I said as I checked the bottom of my second cup. That sucks. I'll have someone come up and clean up this mess. Oh, did you win anything? Yep. One coffee, please. Sure thing, Shirley replied as she redeemed my prize and handed me a new cup of coffee. Good luck with your rip-up. Thanks, I said as I contemplated testing my luck again. You know, I think I'll hold off for now. I could really use a coffee for the rest of my drive, and this promotion just seems wasteful. Ah, I was waiting for him to get <laughs> the coffee cup. <laughs> what was going through your mind when you were that <laughs> uh, This is how I think. This is the, this is the kind of silliness that, that goes through my brain all day. So it's almost like it's. You know how sometimes like I don't I don't know in Canada you guys have McDonald's it's like they had yeah. to put on the cup saying contents may be hot <laughs> yes <laughs> so that really made me think about that I'm like why can't people use common sense so apparently Remy does not have a lot of common sense no he thinks about everything very differently so um, in the in the first book he he goes on a quest to answer man's greatest question that's the main quest. Uh, and he ends up getting profiled as a serial killer by uh, a Toronto detective um, and wrongfully profiled. Uh, so he ends, there ends up being a huge manhunt for him. But Remy is completely oblivious to the manhunt through the whole book. He doesn't even know what's happening. And not, I won't spoil anything. Um, but in the second book, he ends up uh, having to face, uh, he has to end up you know, facing the crimes he committed in the first book without even knowing he committed them. Uh, and he ends up on another quest to try and redeem himself and, and earn a pardon for those crimes uh, because he ends up being misprofiled by the government as a criminal mastermind. And so they end up sending him on a bunch of very silly, very like shadowy, bad government type assignments for him mm -hmm. to do. Uh, but he has no idea, again, that he's even doing that. He thinks he's working for a corrupt pizza corporation. And, and then he ends up going across Western Canada, causing far worse chaos than he did in the first book like global scale chaos in the, in the second book. Uh, and in the third book I'm working on now, uh, Remy will end up having to, you know, uh, sort of fix the damage he's created throughout the world without even knowing he created it uh, in, the, in the third book and go all over Atlantic Canada. So he'll end up kind of 
running, you know, running chaos through the whole country. <laughs> Will this be the last book, the one that you're working on now, or do you think you'll still continue on with Remy? I have ideas depending on how, it depends on how I want to end the third book. <laughs> Uh, so I have I have a couple different options in my head. Uh, one will end the series. Uh, another will take Remy to the Arctic. And I've been to part of the Arctic. I've been to the whole thing yet. I have to I have to spend more time up there. I've been to the Yukon though. <laughs> wow. So you're from Canada. You actually created your own publishing, pretty much, right? Company. Yeah. So I, I created a, a company called Snookbooks Publishing. That's more for the professional side. It was um, for my content creation for companies. I put sometimes I put together uh, books in larger format stuff for them, case studies and things like that. Um, I haven't I haven't pushed the fiction side yet. I've just I'm still independent with uh, with all my fiction, um, which I, I love because I I love having the creative control, um, and I can't I can't I'd have a tough time. You know I mean I edit obviously I have editors I hire and I have a line critiquer I hire and they all help me make the book better and make it more readable. Um, but I would have, I think I'd have a tough time giving up creative control, to be honest. Yeah, because there's some things in the book it's you want to stay in, yeah. but somebody says, no, that really doesn't need to be in. But it's funny. I can see you doing that, but it's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about content creation that you do for other people, because that's going to be huge. It's, well, it's how I make my living. It's, uh, it's fun. And I mean, I explain to people too, um, sometimes people think, uh, and people in my industry as well, uh, they'll think that, you know, if they cover a, a beat or an industry, for example, you know, I've, you know, if you cover one beat for a long time that you're an expert in, you know, let's say it's forestry, you, you cover, you write about forestry for 20 years, you're an expert in forestry. Well, I'm, I'm sure your industry knowledge is pretty good, but the, the bottom line is no matter what, what beat you write for or industry you write for, um, people in my industry were storytellers. That, that's our skill where we tell stories, we tell people stories. Um, to, so to me, uh, I can work across any industry and it doesn't really matter. Um, as long as you find the right experts to speak with, that's the key uh, to make sure everything, uh, you know, to make sure you turn out a good article or a good case study or whatever it is you're writing. Um, the, key, the key is to, to have the experts there with, that, with you and, and be able to tell their stories the right way, depending on who the audience is. Uh, because, uh, you know, you can write differently for different audiences. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I find I like creating content for a living. I think it's a lot of fun. I love writing. So and I love learning how things work. I am a giant nerd. I love, love, love learning how things work. I love going into factories and to different operations and just seeing how things are made. Uh, that's one of that's it's part of one of the, my favorite things I do. Um, so, yeah, no, I mean, it's to me, it's what I do is just offering me this infinite you know, opportunity to learn things, all sorts of random fun things. So I have a lot of fun with it. And plus, I'm pretty sure that some of the random fun things that you learn when you're creating content for the business side, you're able to apply to the fiction writing as well. Well, I, one thing that, that I would say helps with, um, where my business helps with my fiction side especially is, well, I guess a couple things. One, I mean, I'm constantly writing and I'm constantly editing and, uh, and that, I mean, the more you write, the more you edit, the, the typically the better you get. Um, you know, it's just it's like anything else. It's practice, practice. Uh, but also um, the opportunity that my work has given me to travel all over the country, mm -hmm. uh, to travel the parts of the United States uh, and see different things has, has also generated ideas for my books. Um, it's generated a lot of ideas. I have, I have ideas for making Remy books that have nothing to do with this series where I'm just going to have them 
spend time in in various states because I've spent, I spent a fair time in the in the United States and I've had a lot of fun in in certain states. So, um, I mean, like if you if you asked me to put him in any state, the first place I would go is Kentucky uh, because I had so much fun when I was there. <laughs> so, I love that. So, what other states have you are you thinking about putting Remy in? Oh, I mean, if I if I get the opportunity to start putting them into different states, I, I think I would like to do it in one state at a time per book for fun. And that way you could and I'd have to spend more time. I'd have to go down to, to different states more to spend more time there so I could get enough like little nuances and things to put in. Um, but I used to spend a lot of time in Texas uh, when I was young. So I think that would be fun. Um I've spent, I've actually, I've spent some time in, in your neck of the woods and in, in the Carolinas, but not enough that I could, I would need to go back and spend more time there because I haven't spent enough time there to, to really do it justice. Um, there's, yeah, I, I can imagine, a, I can imagine doing it in a lot of states. I think there's, I'm sure there's enough going on in every state, quite frankly, to, to make a cool book out of everyone. Um, and I mean, because I mean, a lot of what I've seen is I because I'm working usually when I'm at the in these different states. I don't often get a lot of time to visit like cool things. Like that's mm -hmm. part of what I like to do: just check out all sorts of cool little landmarks, go into small towns, and and just check out different things. Um, I had that opportunity in Kentucky, and so I had a ton of fun there. Um, one of my favorite things I did there was I went to an old distillery, the Woodford Reserve, which is I believe it's around 200 years old, um, and is really really cool. And uh, I got to bring home Kentucky bourbon, which is a bonus. So <laughs> I love that the bonus. <laughs> so the Remy character is is pretty much around the state. And once you finish the Remy dilemma, you're going to put him in other 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 things, but it won't be the Remy dilemma series. I might I might do standalone books for fun at some point. Um, I also have another I have another fiction book coming out this year. I finally got to do what I wanted to do as a kid. Uh, funny enough, when I was uh, during during COVID, uh, because I'm in Ontario, we've had three lockdowns. We've had not really anywhere to go for this last 18 months. And um, I have a young son who's a toddler. And if you've had kids and you know how toddlers are, their their sleep change their sleep habits change on a dime. And so uh, he was getting up at four or five, six in the morning, usually four or five every day for a good six month run of the pandemic. And I just wake up and go down with him and hang out on the couch he'd watch his cartoons and i would take a notebook with me i couldn't write remy like that because i need more concentration but i thought you know what this is a perfect opportunity to write that choose your own adventure type book that i've never had the opportunity to do because you can do it one little paragraph at a time mm -hmm. and it's kind of more manageable in that sense uh and so i spent that six months putting together a draft uh of my first like dice rolling battle choose your own adventure style book called dungeon jest uh, starring a silly jester, and that's coming out this fall. Uh, I found a fantastic artist uh, by the name of Jeff Fowler, who's done all the artwork, uh, and it's been professionally inked. It looks fantastic. I'm really excited to get this out, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun for people. It's just, and again, it's very silly. It's it's a choose your own adventure style book mm. for the adults that grew up with them. So it's not for kids, <laughs> wow. but it's for the adults who grew up with those books and enjoyed them, uh, who because the language and stuff is not appropriate for children. So, um, but I think it'll be a lot of fun for, for people. I love that. So that's one thing about COVID that you, people are experiencing and doing things that they've always wanted to do because they are forced to kind of do them. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, I mean, obviously nobody wants COVID. Everyone wants it to go away, but I'm just mm -hmm. trying to try and make the most of it. Right. So, I mean, I've, I, I'm, 
I, I'm very much an early morning person. I never used to be before kids, but uh, three kids later now I get up early all the time, <laughs> even when I'm when I don't need to. Uh, and so um, the other thing I've done is I had a I had a big stack of books I always wanted to read that just kept collecting, just kept getting taller and taller because I kept buying more and then not not keeping up with them. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd read typically when I'd be traveling for work, I'd read a couple books a year because I'd bring them with me on the road. Um, but for a long stretch and I'm still doing it in the mornings, I'd wake up and read a couple chapters of a book and I, I burned through, I don't know. I don't, I honestly, I don't even know how many books through COVID, but a lot, <laughs> a lot more than I normally read. Um, and that's been fun because they're all, and because it's all just like, it's all fiction. I mean, mm -hmm. I, my, my favorite authors, uh, like I said, I've read a ton of Christopher Moore books during COVID, which is for me is, is he's just a, he's a very silly, writer he's very intelligent like he's a very smart writer but he's also he writes a lot of very silly humor which i like i also love the uh the harry bosch series uh it's a detective series written by michael Connolly. it's not that one's not silly at all but it's just a awesome they're just awesome detective novels um and i have a lot of collection of other other books i read um i read hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy a little while back i re-looked re at it um because people were telling me uh, at one point, when the first Remy book came out, people told me that my style of writing reminded them mm. of The Hitchhiker's Guide. But at that point, I'd never read it. So I was like, oh, I've heard of that book. I heard it. I heard people like it a lot. I was like, oh, I, I need to read this book. And I, I kind of get what people are saying because it's like there's a lot of random silliness that occurs. Um, so I can I can see what they mean in that sense. And I'm not comparing myself to that kind of to that level of author. Mm. But but I, I, I get what they say as far as the silly kind of randomness that happens. So, so when you're talking about the adventure books, the choose your adventure books, do you ever see you writing them for your kids? Uh, so funny thing, and since they're not going to be watching this podcast, I can I can say it. So the other book I've been putting together through COVID is my first children's book. Very different from all the other books I've written. Uh, very, very different. Um, but... Uh, I've always wanted to write one and the, the characters being put together are, are based on my kids. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun. And that one will probably come out by the end of the year or early 2022. Uh, the artwork's underway. The book is written. Um, and I think, I think it's a lot of fun. The people who have, I've gotten a lot of feedback from a lot of people with kids and, and they, they really like it. So um, I think that'll be really interesting. And it's, it's neat too because it tested. It's fun to test um, a different style of writing, which I've done before. Uh, I've done it a couple of times. I learned that I am not a good romantic writer. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so there there are certain genres that I probably will not tackle in the future. <laughs> Definitely not romantic. I love that. Um, how did you manage? Like you said earlier, that you most you wrote most of Remy's books on the road. How do you yeah. manage your writing life, your professional life and your home life? Cause you just said you have three kids. It's tricky. I mean, well, for the number one thing is I, I'm very fortunate. I have the best wife in the world, Christine, who has just an absolute rock for every part of my life. Um, um, and uh, an amazing mom uh, and just an amazing person. And, and she has, uh, she's, she, she's been the anchor to everything. Uh, you know, when I've had to travel for work, uh, she's the, she's, she was there working and, and taking care of the kids when I was on the road traveling. 
uh, when I'm when I'm at home, I always this is one of the reasons I never I don't write fiction when I'm at home is because because I was on the road before quite significant. Uh, like I, I would say, um, like a week a week every three to four weeks, I was on the road for a good four year stretch, um, which obviously was very hard on her and, and was getting hard on the kids, which is part of the reason I, I stopped to create my own company to put more control on how much I travel and things like that. Uh, as much as I liked it, I mean, it's just, you can't, it's just too much. Uh, it's to be too much for, for her and the kids. Uh, and so it needed to be a little more balanced. Um, but so when I'm at home, I don't write fiction typically. COVID has been the one exception, although I do it mostly when they're asleep and my son's watching cartoons. Um, but typically I would just, I come home, I spend my time with my wife and my kids and enjoy myself. And, and when I'm on the road and I have some downtime that's not for working or sleeping, that's when I would write fiction. And that's kind of how I'd balance it out is I would just, whenever I traveled for work, I always made sure I was working uh, or writing and, and tried to keep keep up with everything, not fall behind. That's the other thing people don't realize about travel quite often. If you haven't traveled for work, it is a great way to fall behind in your work. Um, because there's so much, because all that travel time is, is typically when you'd normally be working and it all, it adds up, it, that stack of work doesn't stop. It just keeps growing. So. Now COVID happened. So how did that affect your workload? That, uh, yeah, that was a big challenge. Uh, it still is, I mean, but, um, so in March we made a decision because one of, one of my kids, uh, we're worried about uh, potential health issues with her immune system. Mm -hmm. um, so we were not comfortable because nobody knew what COVID was or what it would do. Um, we weren't comfortable with her going to school, which meant that we could keep all three of them home or else mm -hmm. there's really no point. Uh, so with the help of the school, we homeschooled all three kids uh, with the help of the school, them sending us the learning materials and things. All of uh, March... March 2020 to June 2020, and then all of last year, like this year. Um, so, which was, is, it's very challenging. Um, from March to June 2020, uh, we tried to share uh, the, the workload as far as ed, the, teaching the kids and, and making sure they're going out, doing everything. Uh, and what I learned was that I should never, ever, ever be a teacher. Um, <laughs> I am very, very bad. I am I I am the worst teacher I have ever met. I am just I I'm not good at it, and like I tried really really hard to be good at it. But I mean, I came to a point where even my wife looked at me and she was like, "No," <laughs> like it was I, I'm terrible at it, and and it, which which is sad too because I was like because it meant it, it was putting more on her because she was taking over more, but she felt more comfortable doing it than having me do it because that stressed her out more because I was doing such a bad job at it. Um, and so we split it for the first year. And then the second year, um, my wife took it on the entire time from September to June, uh, which is incredible. And she did an amazing job. Um, I don't, I don't know how she did it. Cause I, I just, I'm just not good at this. Um, which, yeah, like I said, it's, it was amazing. Like, I, I mean, and so, and at the same time, uh, at one point, I believe it was January, December, January. I mean, we're, we're both feeling burnout from it too. It's just, it's just very, very hard. Um, my, my wife, uh, left her position. She, she was, um, 
she was a, a research manager at a, at a financial company and she was doing, and she, she had a good job. She was doing well at it, but it was just too much. Everything together was just too much. Um, and so, uh, and she always wanted to get into counseling to help people. Um, and that's her, that to me, like if there, that is her natural gift mm-hmm. that is, she is made to, to help people. It's just who she is. And I, and we talked about it and I said, well, like, why don't you, go apply to go to school just go go to school for, for to go for for count to become a counselor to, she wants to she wants to help uh she wants to help uh young mothers new mothers um and she's made for it she's she's mm-hmm. uh amazing I, and i know she'll do an amazing job at it so she did she she left her job she went back to school she's in school now and so she went to school she's doing her master's in counseling while teaching the kids um and she's incredible. And so I, I continued to run my company while we were doing that. And I mean, I support, I support, we, I mean, we try to balance things as best we can, you know, like I'll, I take on, you know, I take on probably 90% of the housework and, and all the outdoor work and stuff like that. Anything that can, you know, to make things easier for her because she's dealing with the three kids all day while I'm trying, while I'm working. Uh, and I mean, there's challenges with that too. I mean, you're like yeah. trying to, you know, cause I mean, working from home, and running and running a company with three kids running around the house all day is also not easy. <laughs> There's a lot of random interruptions, and, and luckily, most people uh, when you chat with them are very understanding. <laughs> I had it. I had an interview with somebody who was a high level exec uh, with a company for a magazine, and while I was in the middle of talking with him, my two year old son, who was two then, charged into my office during a video call and decimated my office with a toy fishing rod, smashing the office to pieces. And screaming, and then just ran through the door and ran away within a minute. It was like Tasmanian devil came in here and just like hit my office and left. And I'm looking at the guy, and I'm just like, "So that was my son with a fishing rod, who's two, and he just destroyed the office and left." And the guy just laughed. Like he, just, luckily, he was laughing because. And this is what I found was everyone's pretty understanding because it's either people who have kids our age and very much understand mm-hmm. what's going on, or it's people who have older kids who go, "Thank God my kids are older." <laughs> Yeah, because that's the one thing that I think I'm thankful that my girls were pretty much, well, my youngest was actually one of the COVID seniors that was affected by COVID, that she mm-hmm. didn't have her graduation, didn't basically have her senior year because of COVID. But the other ones were a lot older because I could not even imagine being home and trying to entertain kids and keep them engaged in studies and everything else while they're young. It's hard. And I'm a teacher. Yeah. I have a teacher oh, background. Wow. So I can oh, do- wow imagine what these parents were feeling it's hard i mean you gotta i mean i'm lucky i've got an amazing partner right and i've got and we like and we we really look at it tackling all this stuff as in a partnership you know um she's teaching the kids through the day if there are certain things that i could help with you know i could do you know i can help with the spelling i can help i can read to them every night and help them read every night uh before bed and do things like that uh, and take on more of the load around the house so they don't have to, so, so she doesn't have to deal with that. And we try, we try and keep everything, um, balanced, I guess, as best we can. I mean, at that said, are we both, you know, running on empty, like most parents through the whole pandemic? Yeah. I mean, we, I think we've gotten so accustomed to running on empty that sometimes when we're, when we're even more tired than that, we're, we don't even know what to call it. So. That's true. So how do you separate out working because you said you work from home and home life um so normally when they're in school it's not a problem uh so like in the summer uh just recently their camp just ended but they actually went to camp this summer 
uh, for two months, for almost the last two months. Uh, and they were thrilled. They were thrilled to go back and see kids and play with the other kids again uh, because the numbers in Ontario were very low. Uh, it didn't seem very, very like much of a risk. Uh, my wife and I are both, we both got fully vaccinated. Uh, so we weren't as concerned either in that sense. Um, and we just, the kids went to camp, they had fun and it was going, work was easy. Work was like fairly easy uh, because it was more like it used to be. And so, cause when the kids were normally in school, I had a routine, you know, they, I'd drive them off at school. Uh, you know, I'd probably do a couple hours of work at a coffee shop. And then I, I used to, before the pandemic, part of my routine was a couple hours at the coffee shop. Then I go to the gym and I'd like to swim laps for a little bit. And then as like my break. And then I'd come back. Then I go back to the house. I'd work until it was time to pick them up from school. I'd go and pick them up. We'd go, you know, set dinner and everything and then hang out with them and then bedtime. And then if I had extra work to do after they were put to bed, I would do it then. Um, and that worked. It actually worked pretty well. But COVID, obviously, with them all at home all day is kind of is now it's you get it all done whenever you can. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. <laughs> There's no, there's no set schedule as much, right? You try, you try and keep a schedule, but it's, uh, you know, when you've got three little kids running around the house all day, it's not so easy. Um, you try your best and that's all you can do is, I think, I think all you do is, I think most people like myself, we just, you put your head down, you grind away and just try and get everything done, right? Wherever you can. That's so true. Now our time is almost up. Is there one last little nugget that you want to share with people? Um, yeah, if you're if you're looking for a, a light, silly read, something just to was totally ridiculous, just to because you've had you know you you've had a hard day and you just want something light and silly, um, by all means come by, pick up pick up Remy's Dilemma. If you like the eBooks, the the first book is is available uh, to download off my author site. You'll see it there at the bottom, stuffbooks.com. It's free. Download it. Enjoy. If you like it, the the other ebooks are available, and there's also print versions of both books available as well. Uh, so, and you can find all the different places to buy them on on my website. So, yeah, just uh, if you're looking for a light read, it's here's an option. And the books are Remy's Dilemma and Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. And I want to mention something real quick that you have an independent publisher's book award for Remy's Dilemma. Why didn't this one get one? That's I didn't. <laughs> So you know what? I only found out about the awards uh, a couple of years after I released the first one. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I never actually applied. So I don't know if it could have won or not. Um, but yeah, so I won a bronze medal for best regional fiction for uh, for the for the second book, which is pretty awesome. I, it's uh, it was a nice feeling to to get that um, that recognition as an independent writer because independent writers have a tough time getting getting recognized. Uh, so it felt it felt really good. So once again, Andrew, I want to thank you so much for coming on and for sharing. Tell people where they can find you at again. Sure. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, so you can find me at www.snookbooks.com. And any if you're looking for a version of the book, uh, all the different versions are available through that site. All right. And guys, um, I will put in the show notes everywhere where you can find him, as well as where you can pick up Remy's Dilemma and Remy's Dilemma Special Delivery. And I can't wait to see what else you come out with. I can't <laughs> wait to read the adventure story. So as always, most importantly, be blessed, keep chatting. And I'm going to add on this one, keep reading because we need some way to escape the world that we're living in right now. So have a great rest of your day, guys. Take care. Thank you. Thank you.
Chats from the Blog Cabin. We not only have voices for a podcast, but also faces for YouTube. Don't miss your next episode.